This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Happy Thursday night to you right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm Curtis Rogers, joined across the way by my buddy Jake Heaps. What's going on, everybody? I'll tell you what's going on right now. Game six of the NBA Finals going on, and it is a back-and-forth affair. you got Golden State up 46-43 with less than five minutes to go in the second quarter. Uh, I think we're going to have our... Our eyes and ears at least halfway fixed on the game and, and on this show tonight. We'll get you updates throughout uh, just a key moment. you got the perfect spot right now, Curtis. I do. Right now, I'm in studio, in the studio, and Curtis is in the board op room, and uh, he's got the TV right there watching the I game do. while we're talking. So if Curtis seems distracted tonight, it's probably because he is watching the game. He's He's got the best seat in the house. Just just a little bit. Uh, yeah, Raptors just took the lead back, 47-46. So it is a uh, back-and-forth affair there. We will make sure to get you updates throughout the night here on Seattle Sports and Night. We've got a, a lot to get to in this one. We've got a lot of times people look at the summer as sort of the time where everything on the sports calendar slows down. But the last, I would say, 48 hours or so, that has not been the case. It has been... You know, championship moments, and we've got the Mariners doing their thing. The Seahawks putting the finishing touches on their team heading into training camp. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot to get to uh, in this one. I mean, Jake, I don't know about you, but this is this is a good time to be a sports fan. It really is, uh, and, and it's been fun to kind of watch and see, you know, like the St. Louis Blues, for example, a, a fan base, a city uh, being able to rally around uh, a a, uh, a Stanley Cup championship for the first time in their franchise history and seeing just how much much it meant to that city um, and uh, we're, I'm excited to dive into all of this and especially watching the NBA Finals and seeing if Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors can finish off the Golden State Warriors. Uh, we'll we'll see and we'll probably find out here during the show. Absolutely, uh, yeah. This game probably going to end before we're done here tonight, so. Uh, we'll we'll have some hopefully something to talk about here, whether it be a Raptors win or or a Warriors win, extending it to a game seven, or the Raptors winning their first ever title in franchise history. Lots of storylines abound in in tonight's game. Lots of storylines abound here on Seattle Sports Tonight. So I mean. I don't think we should waste any more time. Let's get into what is on the Thursday night timeline. And as we said earlier today, the Seahawks wrapping up their final day of mini camp. And now it's summer break time. They have a, over a month off before the start of training camp, about six weeks between, I mean, six, six weeks unsupervised, basically. Exactly. It is unsupervised. This is a hard time for coaches and for GMs. Uh, to let their players go, they uh, for for a short amount of time they have them working through the off season and OTAs and voluntary workouts and then in minicamp for three days and then it's off and it's really up to the players from this moment on to take advantage of these six weeks um, and to be able to get themselves in the best shape both physically and mentally heading into training camp and there are guys that absolutely win through this process there are teams that win through this process and there are there are definite losers that we have seen over the years in terms of just making right decisions and this is tough there's so much freedom it's the summer this is a fun time uh to to go back home and be with your friends and your family but ultimately you have to know that 
you are about to enter into the biggest job interview of your life if you're a guy trying to crack this roster and also you're a guy trying to get paid and eventually outdo the current contract that you're on. So there's a lot at stake for for a lot of these players, especially here in Seattle. Yeah, coming up at 8 o'clock, Jake, you're going to give us uh, just a a real in-depth breakdown of what the NFL summer break is like with these six whole weeks being left to your own devices or like, uh, we'll get into some of the craziest stories of the NFL offseason that have happened during this summer break. I mean, there's certainly there's certainly one that is a little too recent in Seahawks fans' minds. We'll get into that coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. And then uh, earlier today, you heard it right here on 710 ESPN Seattle, the Mariners falling in their series finale to the Minnesota Twins 10-5. to uh, One heck of a postgame show. Oh, uh, yeah. just, whoever just was absolute that, fire. Yeah, whoever was hosting that, <laughs> he deserves a raise. Our own Curtis Rogers, oh, baby. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. That was me. That's right. That's yeah. right, baby. But, uh, Let's go. I guess some good that could be taken out of today's game, you say Kikuchi bouncing back after three straight less-than-stellar starts. He goes five strong innings, only gives up one run, and he strands seven Twins base runners, uh, so that was good to see him battle through some very tenuous moments and, and really come out largely unscathed. And I think in these moments, in this type of season, those are kinds of, of like measuring sticks you want to see Yusei Kikuchi meet and surpass, and I think he did that today, and it was good to see him out there. Yeah, this was a huge bounce-back game for him after three horrendous starts uh, for Yusei Kikuchi. So this was big to get him back into the swing of things, and hopefully he continues to trend on this trajectory rather than the last three starts previous. Uh, and, and we're going to dive into this deeper, Curtis and I, here coming up at 7.30 about what should we be having optimism about for these Mariners? And I think there's a couple things that you could point to that has developed over the last couple weeks and with key players that are going to be hopefully a part of this rebuilding process and they're in 2020 and 2021. Uh, speaking of young players being brought in for those future seasons today, they uh, the Mariners agreed to a deal with their first and second round picks that were selected about a week and a half ago. George Kirby of Elon and then second-rounder Brandon Williamson of TCU. They have officially signed their contracts and will begin playing in Seattle's farm system very soon. Uh, as we talked about off the top of the show, NBA Finals Game 6 going on right now. We will give you updates throughout the show on how things are going. Uh, about a minute left before the end of the first half. You've got one side, a, a dynasty still intact with the Warriors. They've won three out of the last four titles. A win tonight forces a Game 7 in Toronto. On the other side, you've got a team that is notorious for falling short, a team that has never been in this position before, and now here they are, having already had an opportunity to close out the series on their own home court and weren't able to take advantage of it. Now they go into maybe the most hostile environment in the entire NBA, and they're met with a team that has been in these kinds of situations for the last five seasons. Right. Jake, I don't know about you, but I want a Game 7 in this series just because it has been a a really good series to this point. Well, it really has, and also why wouldn't you want to see more compelling NBA basketball going into Game 7? To me, I I want that without a doubt, but I would love to see Kawhi Leonard and everything that he's done in this Raptors team. Like you said, they have notoriously been known for coming up short and not fulfilling their potential as a team over the last few years. And and to see them close this thing out in the hostile environment, I think would be huge. But 
you cannot count out a heart of a champion, and that's what Golden State is. So it's going to be uh, a tight ball game all the way through, I can imagine, and uh, can't wait to see how this thing finishes up. Do we have a new champion uh, in the Toronto Raptors, or is this thing going to Game 7 and Steph Curry and crew are just fighting till the end? Well, we got a, about a half left in this one. Uh, Kawhi Leonard in a little bit of foul trouble right now with three fouls heading into the break. Uh-oh. Uh, so, you know, if Toronto wants to win, that's a guy you got to keep out of foul trouble the rest of the way. Speaking of new new blood when it comes to champions, last night we had this. It's rattled on around and crew got with it, and the Blues at the bench are realizing that they are going to be champions. Ten seconds to go. The longest wait for a first title any team in this league has had. For the first time in their history, the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. Two years from now, Seattle will have an NHL franchise, and, and Seattle's going to be playing for a Stanley Cup. I mean, not maybe not in the final series, but that's that's what's at stake here. And to see just how much that meant to the city of St. Louis, you saw them fill up Bush Stadium last night and the Blues Arena uh, just to watch this game and watch the, the city win its first ever Stanley Cup title. Like I'm so ready for those kinds of moments here in Seattle when it comes to that, or, no doubt. or when it comes to you know World Series, you know, in years down the road. But uh, shout out to the St. Louis Blues for pulling it off last night, winning Game Seven on the road. No Curtis, easy task. Curtis, think about this. Come January second, okay, in the beginning of January, this team, the St. Louis Blues, were widely considered in the year that they win the Stanley Cup final as the worst team in the NHL by. Bar. Had the worst record. Worst record. They fire their coach. They don't even look anywhere near. They look like the bad news bears. And I think one of the craziest things about this season, not only do they win for the first time in a long time, but they don't have any star players. And, and there's nothing really that gets you going about this team in terms of just fascinating play. It was all grit, all determination, all guys continuing to fight and keep believing. And I think this is one of the truly unique teams to ever win a championship across all sports. So very, very cool scene happening for the St. Louis Blues. Their superstar goaltender Jordan Bennington spent most of the first half of the season in the minor leagues, in the AHL. Just crazy. They call him up. He rattles off twenty he rattles off a record of twenty four and five in his 29 games leading up to the postseason, and then all of a sudden catches fire. Last night only allowing one goal on, I believe it was over 50 shots on goal. Just an insane performance from him. Uh, you know, Tip of the cap to the Blues. Tip of the cap to, to Lydia Cruz, who is a massive St. Louis Blues fan. Yeah, big time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she had the time of her life last night, I would imagine. Uh, also going on right now, another sort of championship moment. You got the U.S. Open first round in the books. By the way, the golf show featuring Jim Moore, that'll be back uh, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They'll get you all caught up on the action going on right now. Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley, and Louis Oosthuizen all tied for the lead at minus five. Not much of a golf fan, but the major tournaments, those are, you know, I'll I'll tune in for those. Yeah, you always tune in. I I think golf for me, I never was one. My dad would watch it all the time and be like, oh, my gosh, he's watching golf? Like, What's the deal here? (laughs) And then I started playing just a little bit. And then you turn it on as you start playing and getting into it. and You watch it, and you're like, oh, my gosh, how are these guys making these shots? And you just have a totally different appreciation for the way that you watch the game. So it's definitely one of those things where I 
in my experience, you don't become a golf fan until you actively start playing it and you can really appreciate what's going on on that TV. It's incredible. It is. It is. Actually, uh, Justin Rose is is in the U. He's all by himself atop the U.S. Open leaderboard at minus six through day one. Uh, did you see this, though, before we, we go to break? The Tampa Bay Rays, they're notorious for playing in, if they're not in the worst stadium in American professional sports, they're probably in the second worst stadium. It's them and the Oakland A's. And, and I mean, the A's share a stadium with the Raiders for another season, but the Rays tonight lost power in their stadium for the second time in a month. Like, yo, two times in a month you've lost power? Somebody's got to pay the bill, right? Like, that's that's what that's all about. I mean, once you get your power turned off one time, that that's a wake-up call for everybody. It's never happened yeah. to me. I've I've paid my power bills on time. Yeah, that's good. You're you're a responsible adult. Yeah. Right? I I mean, that's a yikes. That's not a good look. I've met people that uh that don't pay their phone bills or their power bills until they get the notification from the company that that's like we're going to turn off your power unless you pay. And it's like, what? Really? Why? Like, Why would you wait that long? Is it their is it their way of just like, oh, oh, that's my reminder to pay my bill or they're just they're just struggling to to get it done. I I don't know. It's just a frame of mind that I could never get to. Yeah. Like I I got to be on time. I got to be, you know, having my payments in order, having my bills paid. Like I do not want any late fees. I don't want anything like that. Right, and and that's probably a good way to go. I would say that that's probably the right way to do things. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being on time, we got to get to break here. But uh, coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night today, the very final day of Seahawks minicamp before the six week summer break. How did they look? It's the final impressions of what we saw out at Seahawks headquarters. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jay Keeps, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. I want you checking in on the Coors Light text line, 710-710. Tell us where you're listening from tonight. This is Seattle Sports Night. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps, here with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, Jake, before we get into Stacy, she left us some uh, some goodies on nights that uh, she isn't here. So, yes. Uh, that'd be tonight. Like uh, this, for example. Welcome into Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Curtis Rogers. Well, now that's not what. Come on now. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, and then, uh, you know, if one of us makes a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, that's embarrassing for you. Okay. How about. Ew, that's gross. Okay. So, <laughs> Stacey, <laughs> she wanted to be here when she couldn't be. Okay. Uh, so. So, are you going to. Uh, do you have that at hand? So, you're going to be. Uh... I guess. Um, but this next one I'm about to play actually happened. The Seahawks played football today. They did. And so, ah. they were out at Seahawks headquarters finishing up minicamp. And, Jake, you were out there. And as, as we do on Seattle Sports at Night, uh, we had the entire sports scene. We had it flagged down today. We had it tarped off because if anything was going down, one of us was in that spot. You had uh, Jake over at Seahawks headquarters for the final day of minicamp. You had me on the post game show today for the Mariners. So 
If there's a place you want to come to where you get it all, Seattle Sports is night. That's the place to be tonight. Yes, but, it is. But, uh, Jake, the final time, the final impression uh, that these Seahawks gave the coaching staff today uh, before they head in for the summer break, what did you see today that stood out to you the most? Well, I think it's just the final dress rehearsal. The, the interesting part about this was traditionally the third day is somewhat of a move-the-ball period, and they actually embraced that a lot more. It was almost like a mini-scrimmage out there today, uh, as much as it possibly could be for an OTA's minicamp setting. So, you know, Russ didn't get a whole lot of uh, reps, but got a good amount of reps, and, and what he did uh, what he did with those reps was uh, very impressive. I mean, this is by far the best camp that Russell has had, and he just looks polished, he looks comfortable, uh, he's playing with uh, great command, and and uh, I think more than anything else, what he's been able to accomplish, and he started this last year, but it has grown so even more, is that he's throwing from a consistent base. And before that, he's always been a playmaker, a guy who's been moving around and has been able to throw from awkward angles, open bodies, similar to Patrick Mahomes. But Russell has really been able to refine his game from the pocket and and throw from a consistent spot and be in that spot every single time despite move, having to move around the pocket and, and those types of things. So I think he's just becoming more and more refined as a passer um, and, and getting more comfortable in that role. And the really the big surprise of it all is the offensive guys, particularly the receivers, have stepped it up in a big way. And it's been really encouraging to see the progress that they've made. DK Metcalf handling himself in all accounts as a full pro, uh, showing that he can handle an NFL playbook, digest it, be able to perform that out in practice. And uh, that, to me, is great a great sign of a guy that you are very, very much going to rely on and count on. And Jaron Brown, David Moore uh, doing the same thing. Those are two guys that were fighting for their lives in terms of their roster spot, and they still are, and they need to continue to show that they can make plays and, and be moved around and, and add uh, you know, different tricks to their bag. And you know, for David Moore, it was simply, hey, I'm a go-ball runner, and I'm going to be really good at that, and I think he's grown a little bit, and Jaron Brown especially. So from that aspect, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. Your offensive line looks solid. Um, in the defensive side, there have been bright spots without a doubt, but due to the injuries that have happened or guys just simply being held out for precautionary reasons, you haven't been able to get a real sense of what this defense can be. The, the, the honest truth, and especially in the secondary, they haven't wowed you. Um, the, offensive ha- the offense has had the better part of the defense throughout the entire offseason, and you can't quite pinpoint if the offseason is just that dominant, which I think it is. Uh, but the defense has really struggled as well, and you're you're facing a lot of guys that are you know at the bottom of the roster who are trying to make a name for themselves, and it just hasn't been that same intensity and environment out there, Curtis. Jake, you brought up the wide receiver group and and how they've kind of grown together during this OTAs and minicamp. Pete Carroll said as much earlier today uh, following practice. They practiced great phase two, phase three. Now they've been on their stuff, and uh, it's kind of. Like and you can feel it, you know. They can feel it. They know that the guys are. They know they're here, and they know that we drafted a few guys to to make it competitive at the spots. And everybody's battling. Uh, it, it competition, like I said, is a beautiful thing. We've seen throughout the course of the OTAs and minicamp a lot of guys step forward and a lot of guys uh, take advantage of the opportunities that have been given to them. Yeah. 
of the guys who have been able to do so, which one do you think has has set or has benefited himself the most heading into training camp? I think the guy that's really benefited the most in all of this is Jaron Brown. I think Jaron Brown has really stepped up um, and has been a guy that they've asked him to do a lot more things than what they did last year. Last year, he was trying to learn this offense. You could tell that his he wasn't quite comfortable, and and Russell, for that matter, didn't have great trust in him. You know, he knew that he had Tyler Lockett, he knew he had um, uh, uh, Doug Baldwin, and so. Now he's in a position where he has to rely on Jaron Brown to step up, and he's answered that call. Uh, and, and I think he's been the biggest winner out of the receiver group. I think DK Metcalf has just performed to what we were hoping that he could be, um, and he is this continuous pro, uh, uh, work in progress. Tyler Lockett uh, just doing his thing and, and continuing to uh, go into the prime of his career, and that has been fun to watch. But David Moore has been right there behind him. Jaron Brown, David Moore, I think, have done a really nice job this camp, and they really haven't had uh, much competition behind them despite having you know drafted three guys because Gary Jennings, the guy who is the most like those two, has been injured most of this offseason and only started practicing yesterday. Yeah, and I think right now on that wide receiver group, the guys that I think people are most comfortable with are probably the holdovers from a year ago. Uh, Pete Carroll talking about David Moore, who you mentioned is not simply in that role of a guy who's running go routes, but he's a little more dynamic in what he's shown. Pete talking about that. No, it's just the subtleties of, of all the splits and the alignments and the motions and the aiming points. and, and, and uh, but He knows the route concepts you know, because they all do the same stuff there, but it's from a different position and you're, you call the exact same play you're over here, it means an entirely different thing than it does when you're over here. So um, it's like twice as much learning. So the wide receiver group showing that maybe they're more than just uh, a question mark right now that there there is a reason to believe in them, uh, but during this also OTA period, you got to look at the other side. People who didn't help themselves out, people who may have taken uh, a step back or at least taken an opportunity to not take advantage of what was given to them. When you look at this roster, was there anybody out there that you saw just? Plain may not have had it over the last couple of weeks. Well, I, I mentioned him earlier, Gary Jennings, just because of injury. Uh, the fact that you're a fourth-round pick doesn't mean you're guaranteed to make this roster. Not at all. And I know they really liked him, and I and I'm I was very pleased with what I saw today. But you, you've got to be on the field, and you've got to show these guys what you can do. So first and foremost, I think that was a hindrance for, for Gary Jennings. But the one guy that, um, unfortunately, that I've kind of been disappointed with is Tedrick Thompson. Um, Tedrick Thompson has an opportunity to be in the mix and competing, but listening to Pete Carroll in his press conference, he really talked about Bradley McDougal. He really talked about Marquise Blair and Delano Hill. And the fact that Delano Hill really pushed for playing time and, and an opportunity to start at the end of the season. And I look at, at Tedrick Thompson and he was the, he had an opportunity all of this off season to really show what he can do, what he's all about. And I didn't see the same level of intensity and the same level of praise that he was getting last year. I mean, you remember, it was all about T2. Man, T2 is flying around. T2 is this, T2 that. And if if you're the only safety, the only starting safety from uh, you know last year that gets a chance to practice over these 13 practices, 
you better make yourself stand out. And and he was not a standout, unfortunately for him. So I don't know what's exactly what's going on in that case, but I hope that he can uh, gear up and get himself ready to go both physically and mentally going into training camp. And I would say also it's hard in some aspects because the corners cannot play or the DBs cannot play the ball like they can when they get into training camp and they get pads on. But I wouldn't say that the corners blew me away. You didn't look at Trey Flowers. You didn't look at Shaq Griffin and go, man, that dude is holding it down on lock. Like, like better not throw his way because it's just not going to be a completion. It, Especially it was, going up against wide receivers that we all kind of think are unproven. Correct. And and there was not that at all. And so for that, that gives me, it gives me a little bit of pause, Curtis. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't too fired up about what I saw. I don't think there's reason for panic yet. But they, if they don't improve from what I saw in the offseason, I'm going to be very nervous in terms of what this can be. But again, they were Bradley McDougald wasn't out there, and he is a major presence that can change the course of how things work and, and how guys play. Uh, so I think he's a big factor in it, as well as um, Marquise Blair and Delano Hill. And so it'll be interesting to see what their timelines are like and to be able to take advantage of the opportunity that Marquise Blair had I think coming in as a second-round pick and by all accounts getting every opportunity to start, he didn't get that opportunity to take advantage of it because of his hamstring injury. So I think it's more along those lines of the secondary, I believe, were not big winners in this offseason. We got people checking in on the Coors Light text line, 710-710. We got 425 Monroe to the north. What's up, Monroe? We got 509 checking in from Wenatchee to the east. And we got the 541 checking in from Portland, Oregon to the south of us. We need somebody checking in from the west. There we go. We need to get this whole region mapped out and just everybody checking in from from wherever. So if you're west of Seattle, we want to hear you on the Coors Light text line, 710-710, where you're listening from. Uh, NBA Finals update right now. It is a tie ball game, third quarter, just underway with about nine and a half minutes left, 64 64, so we will keep our eye out for that. Uh, we will make sure to get you any sort of breaking news tonight. If if the Raptors win the NBA title or the Warriors force a Game 7, we will make sure to let you know. Coming up in about 15 minutes from now, it's time for another edition of 4 Down, or it'll be time for another edition of 4 Down Territory. The first thing Pete Carroll wanted to talk about today in his press conference was kicker Jason Myers. Why exactly was that? Jake's going to tell us coming up in 15 minutes in four down territory. But coming up next, the Mariners, they're actually not losing as frequent as they used to be. They split their last eight games. So what are the biggest reasons to look positively at the Mariners right now? Well, we're going to do our best to tell you those coming up next. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps. Right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. We got a lot of we got a lot more people checking in. We got a couple people coming from the 808. We got one from Maui. They said they're asking, is that west enough? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's pretty out west. Uh, and then another from the 808 from, is it Mi- Mililani, Hawaii? I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, 360, a couple of them out in Bremerton, McCleary, Washington. Uh, how about up north? Bellingham checking in. You guys are the best. Where? Where's Stacy? Well, Stacy, you know, with her busy schedule, you know, she's... 
You she's know, taking the day off. Yeah, okay, you know let's just call it what it yeah, is. Let's... She's being lazy and taking the day off. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> we have a I rotation mean, here on Seattle Sports tonight, and uh, we, this is this is Stacy's night off, and so we, you know, want to give her that. But uh, yeah, we uh, we definitely miss uh, being all on the show together. But uh, great to see everybody checking in. Please, throughout the show, please, whoever's listening, check in. Let us know where you're listening from. We love uh, checking in with you guys, and and uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to listen and, and stop by with us. Yeah, shout-out to those in Hawaii. It's, what, 4.30 in the afternoon there? We're your drive time home. We're your, Stacey and I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Maybe we dedicate segments specifically to Hawaii uh, just because, like, you know, yeah, we, we got to make sure that they're not being ignored. I mean, sure. it is I, luau night coming maybe, up at T-Mobile Park. Maybe we can convince the station for us to go do a show out there for yes. our contingency of listeners. Yeah, from like the, uh, what is it, that Disney resort out there? Oh, that wouldn't be bad. I wouldn't mind that. No, not at you all. Could br- you could bring your family. And, That's uh, right. Stacy and I will just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> you can tag along. Yeah, Come on with right. us. There we go. We love going to the uh, Kona Brewery on uh, on the Big Island. There you go. We go to the unbelievable. What pizza. is it? The Macadamia Nut Factory. Sure. Yeah. 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 Sounds like it. a sounds like a trip. Let's go. You can listen to the show via the Seven Ten Sports app anywhere in the world, including Hawaii. Driven by your Puget Sound accurate dealers. Coming up in about ten minutes from now, uh, ESPN. Uh, they release their future college football power rankings. Huskies got a pretty enviable ranking. We'll talk about whether that's too high or just right. That's coming up in four-down territory. But today, the Mariners fell 10-5 to the Minnesota Twins, uh, taking one of three from Minnesota in this series. That would be the first-place Twins. So, I mean, going up against a team that good in their building and hanging in there the first two games and then the sec- or in the third game, it kind of all crumbled on you. But... The Mariners right now, they're actually not they're not looking as as terrible as they were that's in the month good, of May. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Not as terrible. Yeah. They've alternated wins and losses over their last 8 games. And there are a few guys right now on this roster that are actually playing up to I think the level that we had hoped for them at the beginning of the season. Obviously Daniel Vogelback I think he's exceeded what everybody's expectations have been of him, considering he didn't do much the last couple of years with the Mariners. And now, without a doubt, yeah. And now, like, there's talk he could go to the All Star game. There's talk he could participate in the Home Run Derby. Well, and it's funny because when John Morosi, uh, you know, came on uh, with Brock and Salk, at, at, this was about a month ago, and talked about who are the best prospects for trading. Uh, John Morosi talked about. Uh, Daniel Vogelback and and people's response as I I was just shocked being on the show and and people were you know texting in saying yeah trade Daniel Vogelback in a second he's he's a flash in the pan I don't think so I don't think this guy is a flash in the pan I believe that this guy is the real deal I believe that he has you know the personality the approach uh, and also the game that is one that can last uh, a long time and I mean the guy is. You know, hitting a two sixty six average, but his on base percentage is really impressive at yeah. three ninety five. And you know, having that kind of bat and that and that big bat lineup presence, who is also getting on base, that is huge. And I believe that he's only going to continue to get better as they're trying to get closer and closer to a run. We've asked the question a lot, and we're not the only ones who've asked this question. It's been most shows here on seven ten that have asked: Are there any guys on this roster right now that you would? 
would bend over backwards for to put them on the 2020 roster and the 2021 roster. Daniel Vogelback is starting to become that kind of player for me. Yeah. He's starting to become a guy who I would not want the Mariners to see let go of simply because he's got years left on his contract where he's going to be under club control for a lot longer than most people. He's on a cheap contract as it is. And, I mean, the production that he's putting up out of that DH spot, you can't ask for much more. I think if you put his numbers up against what Nelson Cruz has done – during his time here in Seattle. I mean, obviously Nelson Cruz wowed you with, you know, just tons and tons of home runs. But, I mean, there are other ways to score runs. And Daniel Vogelback right now, he's getting on base at a really high clip. And he's being very efficient with pitches that he sees. And I think that kind of bat is something that the Mariners, if they really want to make a run at at the postseason in the next couple of years – I feel like Vogelback is, is a very nice in-house, in-house option to have and, and not somebody who, I mean, you could get a lot in return for him, but he's not making a contract that's going to cripple you at all. No, and, and I would love to see how it pans out. And I'd love for our listeners, especially from Juneau, Alaska, 907, we appreciate you. Text in, let us know, who who is that one Mariner that you would love to keep on this roster? If you keep on any Mariner from this current roster and make sure that they are on the 2020-2021 roster, who is that guy? I believe Daniel Vogelback is probably number one on that list for a lot of people. But I'll tell you what, man. Malik Smith, over the last couple weeks, and I know it's a name that has just been absolutely raked through the coals over the course of the season, and rightfully so. Malik Smith has played a lot better over the last couple weeks, and that is very encouraging to me. And if he can continue to play at that kind of pace, uh, and maybe not as high of a level, because he's playing very, very well right now over the last couple weeks, is if he continues to show that he can be a consistent leadoff hitter uh, and can play average defense, not even not even you know all-star level Just defense, passable. but average level defense, he is a difference maker in terms of being a uh, guy who's on base and can be dangerous, getting extra bases, getting stolen bases. And and I loved in the second game uh, yesterday versus the Twins how you know he was able to hit a routine single and turn it into a double. And from there, they were able to play small ball. I mean, those are the types of things that you look for. Um, and uh, I, I also... Uh, you gotta love. You gotta love the fact that Narvaez, Omar Narvaez, and, and Murphy are. I mean, honestly, the biggest surprises to me on this roster. I mean, are you kidding me? That our two catchers not only are hitting the ball uh, extremely well, but I think Omar Narvaez has developed uh, very, very well over the course of the season as a catcher. He's not perfect, but you can definitely see improvement. You look at the offensive production from the catcher spot this season, from Narvaez on the left-hand side and Murphy on the right-hand side, compared to the last few years that the Mariners have had here, it's night and day. Like Mike Zanino, for as good as he was defensively behind the plate and his framing skills and, and just all that he did with the pitching staff here, that's how bad he was on the offensive side of the ball. He was not somebody that was going to help sustain a rally. He was not somebody that was going to get anything going or get on base at a very high clip. And and he wasn't somebody that was going to be reliable with the bat in his hands. Whereas Narvaez is a guy who gets on base regularly, and he is a guy who puts the ball in play far more often than he strikes out. I mean, Mike Zanino... He would be near among. He would be among the league leaders in strikeouts and not even play close to a full season. Murphy, on the other hand, you know the right hand side. 
He's got pop in his bat. He's already hit a career high in home runs, and he's played just you know twenty something games this year. I think it, it's a tremendous luxury to have, especially with how much how little you gave up for Tom Murphy. I mean, if you could maybe, if either one of these guys are in the long term future for the team, I feel like there is value in dealing one or the other mm-hmm. to get even more in return than what you gave up for him. What the Mariners gave up for Omar Narvaez was Alex Colome, who's now the White Sox closer, but it's not like he had a spot on this year's team because the Mariners made it pretty pretty well known that like yo we're we're not going to contend this year so yeah. we don't need Alex Colomay we don't need lockdown guys in our bullpen if if we're not going to try and make a run at it today we saw you say Kikuchi go uh and he gave up one run over 5 innings pitch a much better outing than what he had done his previous 3 starts yeah i think to me i look at the pitching staff whether it be starters or relief pitchers He's the only guy that I would hang my hat on. Yeah, Marco's just been too inconsistent. You just don't know over the sample size we've gotten. We don't know who the real Marco Gonzalez is. And that's the hard one to determine right now. And and you say Kikuchi, you can pass off as saying, okay, you know, this is a guy who's coming from the Japanese league and trying to figure his way out. And you can see the stuff that he has. And you know that he's got what it takes to be a very successful pitcher in this league. It's just a matter of can he develop over time, and and I'm with you on that. I think another guy, just looking at the text line, <laughs> uh, I, it's wishful thinking, and I and I'm I hear your sentiments all the way with the four two five in terms of uh, in the three six zero of Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, gosh, if you could just transport time and keep that same player in that production, uh, I love his presence in the locker room, and I absolutely can appreciate Curtis, a guy who knew from the jump. He didn't even know if he was going to start the season with this team, and he's done nothing but act like a pro, be a pro, uh, and and play at a very high level where I think a lot of guys would not be able to handle the situation the way that he has. So yeah. I, I, I love watching him play, and I appreciate him so much every single night. And he was a guy that was playing DH for most of his career, and they're asking him to play more first base, and he's happily doing it. Uh, I mean, he's been extremely impressive, but... Uh, another guy that I've really enjoyed watching play is Shed Long. I, I, he really struggled the first time he came up, but the second time around, you can just see that he's got a little bit more confidence to him. Uh, and this is a guy that has so much swagger uh, out there on the, on the field, and it, he's a utility player at its at its finest. I mean, in those three games, he played second base, third base, and left field. And if that's a guy that could develop and be a good bat and be a be a top notch utility player. Uh, that's a, that's a diamond dozen. Yeah, I, I think it was it was great to see last night when Shed Long hit his first career home run that the veterans in the Mariners dugout really rallied behind him, and you don't see that too often with young players in, in that just in baseball in general, where where veteran players are so happy to see them succeed and, and finally get those kinds of milestones under their belt. Uh, you know, I think that was a welcome sight to see. Uh, Pitching wise, you say Kikuchi. He's the only guy I think I would I would go with beyond this season. Uh, yeah, make sure you're texting in who you would want to see the Mariners keep around, uh, or who are the biggest reasons for optimism with the team right now. Uh, you brought in Alex Smith, who's hitting about 320 since the start of the month month of June, uh, which is a far far cry from where he was hitting 190 heading in uh, yeah. when he got demoted to to Triple A. 
it's good to see him get going because if he can play at this level for any extended period of time, I think it makes the trade that the Mariners made to give up Mike Zanino and to give up you know a couple other guys for Malik Smith, it, it makes it a lot more palatable. And what's interesting is that like they gave up, I think it was three or four players to get Malik Smith this offseason. They gave up Guillermo Heredia. And then a couple of years ago when they had acquired Smith for about 77 minutes, uh, they gave up you know, a handful of guys for him and for other guys who came over in that trade. So the Mariners, in totality, have given up probably like six <laughs> or seven players over the course of their history for Malik Smith. And maybe not yeah. Malik Smith solely, but he's been involved in trades that have given up a lot of players to Tampa Bay. To me, so sir, it's yeah. good to see them. Good to see some kind of fruit being bared for sure. And, and this is a guy that I will be very curious to see how he ends this season. He's a guy that I'll be watching very closely because, Curtis, I believe Malik Smith is a big piece of the Mariners in terms of how how soon they can compete and how far away they are. If Malik Smith can prove to be a guy that is you know able to turn things around and and can be a good bat and a good leadoff hitter and be serviceable on defense. This is a guy that can be a difference maker and can help you uh, get yourself on on track. And and so far through the season, it's been really hard to watch and it's been very disappointing because there was so much hype and excitement around this kid. And if if he can you know turn things around. I'll be very excited. And the other guy that we don't talk about, and it's not necessarily that I'm excited to see him be a part of the team, but it's interesting because Kyle Seager, unless you have a buyer, there's really no chance that he's going to be traded and he's going to be on this roster the next two years. And what does that look like? Um, I think that's going to be a fascinating uh, watch as well. Coming up next in four down territory, Pete Carroll wanted to talk kickers real bad. Why is that? We answer that. Coming up next on Seattle Sports Tonight. This, this is Four Down Territory on Seattle Sports at Night. You got dig It's a quick edition of Four Down Territory coming up in a little bit. Clay Thompson removed from Game 6, but oh, by the way, he's back out on the court to a standing ovation. I'm not even joking. Back on the court? Back on the court. He is shooting his free throws. Let's get into Four Down Territory, though. Number one. I know. Back out. He's shooting free throws right now. Shooting free throws after just destroying his knee or what looked, that looked, looked like he That looked like a torn ACL. Yeah. If he if it comes out where he I'm sorry, four down territory can wait. <laughs> if if he is on the free throw line shooting with a torn ACL, that is a beast. Yeah, they, they're showing camera well footage of him right now. That is a he monster. He was walking to the training room and then he just Turned around, he's like, no, I got this. Four down territory, wow. a very quick one. We may not even get to all four downs here, but ESPN, their future college football power rankings, list Washington as number eight over the next few seasons. Two higher just right. For comparison's sake, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State round out the top five. Yeah, I think this is a probably right where Washington should be. Uh, I believe that they are amongst the best programs in the country. Now, I don't know if they're competing at an elite level. And when I say elite level, the Clemsons, Alabama, Georgias, and Oklahomas, and Ohio States of the world, those are the elite level teams. 
And the reason why is because they have it up front on the trenches on both sides of the ball. And Washington just simply isn't there yet. They don't have the same physicality. Uh, I believe that they have really good skill players. I think Jimmy Lake does an amazing job recruiting uh, the heck out of uh, defensive skill and linebackers, and I believe there's some good offensive talent. They just haven't been able to put it together yet, and I know that they've really gone out of their way to try and uh, get themselves bigger and add to that physicality, especially in this last class for Washington, but they've got a lot of work to do to be able to get on that level. Number two. Second down, Jake, we teased this question earlier. The first thing Pete Carroll wanted to talk about today after uh, practice was over was kicking, specifically Jason Myers. Why is that? The reason why is because you finally have a kicker since Steven Hauschka that you feel confident in that when you line him up for a field goal that he's going to put it in. And not only be able to do that, but he's he's got a good leg on him to where now you can play field position. You feel comfortable late in games at the end of the half. Uh, I think Pete Carroll said uh, essentially that they feel like they can actually use their kicker now in in a lack of better uh, terms. And so I think that that is absolutely the case, and they've been able to sure up their punting game. They had a great punter in John Ryan, but they they went and upgraded at that position with uh, the, the last punter that they were able to get last year in the fifth round. And, uh, and now you've got a, a former pro bowler from last year in Jason Myers that's just going to continue to elevate that special teams. Number three. We may only get to three downs here, but uh, let's put it in the end zone here before we go to break. Gary Jennings, fourth-round pick out of West Virginia, finished off his last days of minicamping, a full participant. How important was it to you that since he failed to practice for all of OTAs to see him out there? I think this was huge for Gary Jennings. I mean, the fact that you're a fourth-round pick uh, and you have a chance to compete all across the board, and you're not out there at the beginning of OTAs, that's not good. That's never a good sign. And the fact that he was able to get himself out there and fully participating in this last mini camp, that means that he's on track. That means that he's in a good place, that he's starting to get himself uh, back to 100%. And really, when training camp hits, he's got to show out. He has to show his playmaking ability, that's that combination of speed and size. And uh, I, I'm very hopeful that Gary Jennings is going to do just that. I really liked what I saw from him. Uh, today at practice that is another edition of four down territory just three downs we got it in the end zone we didn't even need the fourth down uh coming up next we're going to talk about the nfl summer break jake's got some experience with that but also clay thompson putting in a living up to the definition of warrior tonight uh shooting free throws with basically a torn acl or what looked to be a torn acl we'll get into just what kind of pantheon level Clay is at right now tonight. Uh, That's coming up next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.